Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Oh my gosh, I am so blown away by they're trying to kill us, the new movie. We need to get every member of Congress to see it. I want senators. I want representatives. I want people everywhere to watch this film because it exposes the fact that uh, they're trying to kill us. Okay, Um, badass vegan John Lewis and Keegan Coon are the filmmakers. They're here today. Uh, Badass vegan John Lewis. You revealed a lot of yourself in the film. Tell us what your mission is with this movie. My mission is really empowerment. I wanted people to basically become empowered and understand that, yes, we've been dealt this bad hand as far as like what we think is health. But I want people to understand that we can take our power back. And it's really not as difficult as people think. Uh, We just need to come together and understand that there are powers against us. And if we come together, we can change this whole dynamic. Yes. Now, uh, there's so many things in this film, but basically it seems like a prosecution of our broken food system, essentially saying, Keegan, that it is worse than drugs. It is worse than gun violence. It is killing more people. It is debilitating more lives. You have so many statistics that you use to prove this and to make this case. A tremendous amount of research went into this. Um, how did you get the wherewithal to put this all together? It's, it's a mind blower. Thanks. Yeah, the film is jam-packed full of information, but it also has a very strong uh, storyline and emotional element to it as well. But yeah, as you said, you know, mainstream media focuses on violence in inner cities. They focus on police killing of unarmed Black men, but they ignore the fact that vastly more Americans of color are dying from chronic disease directly linked to the foods that are being forced on communities of color, in particular in America. And so that's what the film really looks at. And then it follows John, my co-director, on this journey, figuring out why is it that Americans of color suffer from disproportionately higher rates of chronic disease? You know, African-Americans are two times more likely to die from type 2 diabetes. They're, you know, three, four times more likely to die from COVID-19 and on and on and on. But these chronic lifestyle diseases in particular affect communities of color vastly greater than they affect uh, European-Americans. And why is that? Let's play it. Come on, let's play it, baby. All right, we're trying to play. They're trying to kill us. Uh, It's an incredible film. Let's get it going here. Boom, boom. Okay, where is it? Up, 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 up. Um, All right, we're going to stop the share and talk about it. Now, let me just say this. Uh, I was so... It gave me hope, even as it made me, like, super depressed and just in a rage over the fact that our government is actually creating the healthcare crisis. Our government therefore is also creating the environmental crisis with the subsidies to the commodity crops that are going into meat and dairy, the meat and dairy and the fast food 
and the junk food is what's killing people. Uh, Heart disease, as you lay out, John Lewis kills more people than the gun violence, than the drug violence. And it is literally generated by the U.S. subsidies in the farm bill to the tune of 38 billion to the commodity crops like corn that go into high fructose corn syrup that feed the pigs and the cows and the chickens and basically take a, a, a burger that should cost, um, what did you say, $11 and bring it down to $4 so people are eating a lot of it and they're getting sick. They're getting heart disease. They're getting diabetes. They're getting cancer. Processed meat is officially cancer causing. And the U.S. government is creating this. Um, how do we what do we do? <laughs> it, there's so many steps involved with it. Uh, one is we need people to go and support the film, uh, not only just support it, but tell others to support it. Um, Keegan will tell you just as well as I will. We have been shadow banned. This this movie has been covered up. This movie has been uh, basically hidden within social media. Uh, anytime I post anything about the movie, the my views are probably one one hundredth of a tenth <laughs> of what it should be. Um, and it's just been crazy to to see how it's been hidden. But we, we knew this was going to come, but it's going to come up to the community to make this happen. And that's what we need. Uh, like, I don't know if Keegan talked about it, but the first million dollars that we raised uh, is going towards charity. And um, with that being said, our views are very low now because it's so hidden. And we need our our tribe to really come through and, and make this happen. Yeah, I mean, just oh, sorry, Jane. Yeah, just to add into that, it's, you know, the reason why we want people to watch this film is because you can't make informed decisions unless you have all the information. And right now the information is being hidden. So if we want to see societal changes, we want to see government changes, we want to see structural changes, it's going to have to come from an informed populace. And right now this information is being intentionally hidden and withheld from people. And that's the reason why we're so desperate to get the film out to as many people as possible. And you can watch the film uh, on our website, they're trying to kill us.com. I watched it. I ordered it, I bought it, and I'm going to show it to as many people as I can. And every second that I was watching, it was like, okay, this one needs to see it. That one needs to see it. This need I kept thinking of all the people who need to see this. Um, now, there's, there's controversial aspects of the film. And I would ask you, John, to make the connection between slavery and food, because that's a big part of the film. And, and, the food that is described culturally as soul food, you describe as slave food. And I thought one of the most powerful moments of the film was when um, I think it was I don't know who said it, but that the vestiges of slavery are sitting on your plate and you are still consuming them. Words to that effect. Take it away, John. Yeah, Lewis. I, I believe that was John Sally, uh, my mentor, great friend. Um, and yeah, it's pretty much like if you look at indigenous people of America or Africa, it was not a predominantly meat based society at all. In fact, it was predominantly vegetable based and fruit based. And, but through slavery, we have been given these things, which were the entrails, the, the, 
the ham hocks, the pig nose, the pig feet, the pig ears, all these things that we wouldn't naturally eat. But as a culture, we've been through so much that we know how to turn something that is horrible into something that is palatable and great for us. But the problem is we're not slaves anymore. And, and to a certain extent, we're not slaves anymore. So why are we still eating that food? Such an important point. We've got a caller, Joe. If we could go to Joe, who is on hold, your question or thought. Hey, thank you so much for taking my call. Great show, Jane. You do an amazing job. And thank you for John, uh, a.k.a. Badass Vegan. I wanted to ask you that it looks like your Twitter account is not uh, not active right now. And whenever I try to uh, pin on Facebook uh, the Badass Vegan, it blocks me. I was just wondering... Uh, if, if if there is any role in media not trying to promote this movie or is there any other way uh, to tag you? Great documentary, by the way. I watched it. It's really an eye-opening and everybody else should, should watch it. So any other way we can promote it on social media without being blocked. Thank you. Well, I'd just like to say you can go to they'retryingtokillus.com. They'retryingtokillus.com and you can order it and you can have it for quite a long time. I think it's like 20 months or something. And five years. Five uh-huh. years, five years. And then show it to people, have screenings. I think that's uh, something that everybody can do is to have community screenings and to get it out there. Um, but tell us a little bit about that, um, John or Keegan, um, this idea that it's being, you're saying it's being blocked? Yes, uh, but I will, I will touch base on what you said. While we do appreciate the community screenings, that takes away from the million dollars going to charity. So if you're going to do it, make sure that each person pays um, mm-hmm. or, or pay for the people. You can gift it to people, too. Uh, but it's taken away from the actual charity that we have implemented and want to accomplish. Uh, but as far as that, yes, my Twitter account has been clo- uh, suspended, as they say. It, it got suspended right after I posted like the first trailer back in like February, I want to say. So it's been almost a year. Uh, my Facebook I just got a notification that um, I was spamming accounts when I actually responded to somebody who posted about the movie and how much they loved it, but it was lagging a little bit, which is usually the actual internet connection, not the site, but you know, it could have been either or. And I basically just commented, I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. I hope it clears up. And that got flagged by Facebook. Just that, that one little sentence. Well, we're on um, Facebook right now, so I don't want to trash him too much. And, you know, I, I will say one <laughs> thing in Facebook's defense, you know, they talk about, well, you know, you you let the controversial content and conspiracy theories. Well, you know, all the vegan content we do, the mainstream media isn't covering it. The major right. networks are not covering it. Um, they don't cover the very facts that you have in your movie, that more people are dying from a bad diet that is perpetrated by the government's subsidies of commodity crops that go into fast food, junk food and sugar and meat and dairy and the checkoff programs and the government SNAP programs that um, basically uh, condemn people who are, uh, what, 10 percent of the population to food that is not good for them. It's not it's not uh, bringing fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains and legumes into people who are on SNAP. It's bringing primarily junk food. I mean, this this is is crucial information. The mainstream media isn't reporting on it. Um, so uh, 
absolutely, I like your idea, John, of gifting this. I have so many people already that I want to gift it to. You just set my brain on fire. Lindsay, you're on hold. Your question or thought. I just, I was just saying the same thing to myself about gifting this film, Jane, and I just wanted to thank both John Lewis and Keegan for the work they're doing, and this film is incredible. I'm sharing it out to all my friends that are non-vegan and trying to do everything I can, and I hope everyone else gets involved in sharing this and the mere fact that the money is going to charity the first million wow that could do so much good so kudos to you guys and yeah let's do all we can to help out thank you yes absolutely great now i want to ask oh my gosh abby is on hold we got lots of people who want to ask you questions abby go ahead hi my name is abby and i'm actually student for clinical nutrition in baltimore city which you guys highlighted in the movie, Born and Raised. Um, so I deeply resonated with the uh, food deserts that you guys talked about, and I'm very grateful that you talked about it because a lot of my work that I do is to <laughs> prevent these food deserts and find solutions. Can I ask some of the solutions that you may have come up with when you guys were visiting Baltimore or doing your research on Baltimore? Thank you, Abby. Yes, go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to jump in on this one. There's an amazing organization called Thrive, uh, based right in the center of Baltimore, run by Brenda Sanders. And she's doing incredible work um, trying to just make uh, plant-based options accessible. So one of the solutions is going to all the corner stores and asking them to carry dairy alternatives in particular, particularly because the communities that she's working in are predominantly don't digest lactose, um, which is, again, the natural state of humanity. Um, that's one thing. Uh, another part of it is people pushing uh, the local school board to no longer uh, promote unhealthy foods. So getting the food served in schools to be healthy options. It really kind of comes down to whatever people think is the most effective and whatever they feel most passionate about. Personally, I have very little faith in our federal government changing. So I believe very much in a grassroots approach. And so education is where I put my energy, but I think everything is needed. And so as far as solutions for Baltimore exclusively, I think Brenda Sanders uh, with Thrive is probably one of the best places to start because she's, again, born and raised as well in Baltimore and uh, has her finger on the pulse of a lot of change that's happening there. Uh, John, what was the reaction amongst, you had so many hip hop stars. Billie Eilish, by the way, is an executive producer on this film. And of course, I love Billie Eilish, her mother, Maggie Baird, Phineas, uh, we did an entire cooking show with um, uh, Maggie Baird uh, showcasing her support and feed, which is an incredible charity that provides uh, food to people who are hungry and in need through vegan restaurants. Um, what was the reaction in the hip hop community? You had so many hip hop stars on. Are they vegan or are, are most of them vegan? Tell us about that. Yes, uh, I would say only two to maybe three people in the film were not vegan and there was over 90 interviews so uh yeah the the vast majority of the interviewees were vegan um and that was a very important thing for us to showcase you know especially if you're talking about you should go vegan you might want to have the people that are talking about it be vegan themselves uh so that was a big thing for us um but the reaction has been great i mean you know hip-hop that was one of the main reasons why we use hip hop as the backdrop because 
hip hop is the most influential genre of all times. I mean, people have been people listen to hip hop no matter what's going on in their life. You know, no matter what socioeconomic status they have, hip hop is just it runs the world in a, in a sense. And everybody listens to what they wear, where they travel to, uh, everything. Let's talk about what most of these people are eating, though. Um, they may, you know, some of them may have a sponsorship by McDonald's, but they're not out there eating McDonald's. Uh, you know, you got to look at that. Even the athletes, they're, they're not going to be premium athletes if they're out there eating McDonald's every day. But of they get course. these sponsorships. Yes. But they get these sponsorships and they go for it. Well, you brought up another incredible point that the uh, chicken franchises in particular market and have African-American uh, actors on their commercials, but they are primarily white owned, uh, almost exclusively white owned. And can you talk a little bit about uh, where communities of color are subsidizing the forces of, that are oppressing them? Uh Keegan, take it away. Yeah, you know, as you said, <clears throat> these major fast food chains, um, fried chicken fast food chains that market almost exclusively to African-Americans are white-owned, white-founded, white-run, and they're profiting off of this, this exploitation. And, and at the same time, they're being federally subsidized by the government, and those subsidies are coming from our tax dollars. And so it's everybody who's paying their taxes is paying to perpetuate this unhealthy food system. And that is just the reality of how the system is set up, that it's, it's not only the entrenched part of institutionalized racism, but it's just also the, the uglier sides of capitalism. Um, well, honestly, I have to say, is it capitalism when the U.S. government is subsidizing its corporate <laughs> socialism? is what I would call it, because yeah. you make the point that people talk about welfare and oh, people on welfare, but the farm, the farm industry is getting more welfare than individuals who are on SNAP or on other um, welfare programs. Can you address that, John? Yes. Uh, as we touched in the film, we talked about how the subsidies, whether it's, you know, farms or uh, all these different programs that produce these horrible foods for our people, they receive more money than all of the welfare and housing uh, that's out there. But nobody talks about that because there's so much money involved in that. It's so much capitalism, like you said, uh, that's involved in that. So they don't want to they don't want to bring that subject up, because if you found out more about that, then you would be more inclined to not support it. Uh, and, and it's been going on for centuries you know it's not a new thing this when people say you know the system's broken it's like no the system's not broken the system's working exactly how it was supposed to and how it was designed to yes uh it's it's really extraordinary because i think it's it allows us to look at the entire situation through a new set of glasses and realize wait a second the government's talking about healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. people are getting sicker 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 they're giving money to the crops that are creating the food that's making us sicker, sicker, sicker. The government's the problem. The government's yep. the problem. And the government is controlled by the industries that are giving the representatives money. And the USDA is controlled right now, is run by a dairy trade group leader, Tom Vilsack, 
was a dairy trade group executive. And he was also the USDA secretary under Obama. So you have, uh, I don't know, I think it's speciesist to say the fox is guarding the hen house. We're going to have to come up with a, a non-speciesist <laughs> way to say that. Um, okay, we got Paige on hold. Paige, thanks for your uh, patience. Your question or thought? Well, I'm just uh, incredibly moved by this film, and I want to ask, uh, well, first of all, I want to circle back to anyone who's just joining the gifting uh, aspect to gift this film. If you've seen it, gift it out. That is the best, single, most important thing you can do right now. Share this interview and gift out this film to people. So, um, But I want to ask you both, what hope do you hope to bring to people through this film? Back to you. All right, let's start with Keegan. Oops, a, a tough one for me because I don't have a lot of hope. Um, I focus on what can we actually do and what's right in front of us. And and I think that people, we've seen it with the previous films like Cowspiracy and What the Health, I was a co-director on as well, that when people get the information, they make informed decisions and they radically change their lives for the better. And that radically changes the lives of their family and for their entire community. And, and it just continues to grow. So Thank you so much for the support. When people see this film and they realize that being sick and tired is something that's been forced on them and that there is a possibility of change, then then real things can happen. And so I'm excited to see all the people who have been suffering with chronic disease get better. And that's what uh, inspires me and keeps me going on this. What you say in the film is similar to what Dr. Silas Rao says. Uh, in Countdown to Year Zero, which is a documentary I did talking about animal agriculture and climate change. And he said, the entire system is based on death, disease, and destruction. Death for the animals, disease for the humans, destruction for the planet. And that's why uh, there is such a resistance to uh, allow a transition to plant-based because the economy is based on it. Um, But... uh, when are the so-called best and the brightest, which, by the way, was a sarcastic title, the best and the brightest brought us the Vietnam War. Uh, when are they going to realize that if the planet is too hot to support life, it's not good for business? If um, the coastal cities are being completely flooded, it's not good for business. If you faint when you walk out of your house and try to walk across the street, that's not good for business. If you can't walk your dog because your dog is going like this because the pavement is too hot (laughs) for his or her paws, that's not good for business. At a certain point, this is idiocy. And that's what what really, really um, just throws me back on my heels. I don't know who wants to take that one. I'll let Keegan say that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, we've seen it right now you know, with COP26. You know, they have this world summit to talk about climate change and it's run by the fossil fuel industry. And it just comes back to, yeah, they're more interested in short-term profits than they are in the lifelong longevity of this planet and life on this planet. So I think we really have to just take the power back. And that's part of what this film is about is saying enough's enough. We're not going to support your horrific industries anymore. We've got yet another caller. Sarah, your question or thought for Keegan Goon and badass vegan John Lewis. Hi, I've actually seen this film and I really liked it. So thank you for making it. And I really want to know what's going on with BET, Black Entertainment, television, all of the enterprises that are 
you know, really need to get this message out. I really want you guys to get this out to, you know, the people that need to hear this, the people that are in these food deserts. And this is why it's being hidden from them. So what do you say about that? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, you'd think that, uh, for example, Oprah would be all over this. You'd think that this would be something that would be embraced by the leaders in the African-American. We we have an African-American woman vice president who I heard went to a vegan restaurant in Las Vegas and told one of the people there that she was trying to be vegan before six. We were so excited. Um, Maybe she gets it. I know she's friends with Cory Booker, who's a vegan senator, U.S. senator. Um, Yeah. Do you feel that the response in the uh, African-American community in terms of the leaders, the heavy hitters, the Oprah's of the world has been enough, uh, John Lewis? No, not at all. Um, Just keeping it real. I don't think so at all. Uh, I believe that and I can tell you that we I'm going to be real. Sorry, Keegan, I'm going to keep it real on this one. <laughs> so there was a couple of networks that we talked to, some uh, that were, you know, in the black entertainment uh, sector, won't say any names. And we talked directly to the, you know, presidents of these networks. And the president told us that this was the best documentary she's ever seen. And, and, and she's seen a million of them. Um We've done a great job of, like, now. Okay, well, you, you dropped off a little bit. Regurgitating old information. They had to help heal the black community. And at this point, sorry about that. Can That's you hear right. me now? Yeah. No, we're yeah. good. Okay. We're good. Okay. So, for the most part, you know, we had a situation to where um, – the the people that were talking to they basically said that you know they love the film it was an integral part of you know what they want to accomplish and then they go on and tell us but we have to cut off 30 minutes of the film and we're like why do you got to cut off 30 minutes of the film and they're like well even though we know you know you fact checked everything you said and everything is fine it goes against all of our main advertisers <laughs> i don't yes Oh my gosh! They, they they didn't even hide it. They said, "Well, you need to they cut out." They said, yeah. "You need to cut out uh, any mention of McDonald's, Coca Cola, Pepsi, Pfizer," and they just listed all these corporations that we name in the film and show their interconnectedness with promoting this unhealthy diet. And yet, they with, without unabashed just told it to us. And John said, "You know, the movie's called They're Trying to Kill Us. It sounds like the movie you want is They Don't Like Us, and that's a different movie." Um, So the hope, I mean, we tried for close to a year to get this film uh, licensed or sold onto a major broadcaster or distributor, and we continue to face this conclusion of fast food, junk food, pharmaceutical investment in our media. And that's the reason why we're not seeing this on mainstream. And so the reason why we're launching this film independently and through our website and giving the first million to charity is because we want to say, hey, there's another way that we can do this. There's another way we can get this film out there. We're being shadow banned and, and silenced on social media. So we really need people to, you know, even if you can't tag, you know, if you're tagging posts and things are getting hidden, just share the website, just get the right. information out there. If, if those posts are getting hidden, just talk about it and tell people to search for the film online um, because we do, we need to get this information out there as widely and as fast as possible. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's really heavy. Uh, John Lewis, uh, 
you obviously had a lot of uh, hip hop stars who you spoke with. What about them? I mean, can they can they start? I mean, Billie Eilish is one of the most famous uh, people on the planet right now. Um, and some of the other people, there were so many, I can't name them all, but these are big stars. Yeah, yeah, that, that was the intent was to have, you know, more of a support and, you know, like a, a very heavy push throughout the people in the film, including our executive producers. Um, but we're still waiting. <laughs> so hopefully it, it, it works out and we get more support as the week goes on. But um, we haven't seen as much uh, excitement throughout everyone. Now, now there have been some people that have been gung-ho and I don't want to say that everybody's not, but if more of the heavy hitters actually, you know, posted and talked about it, it would definitely get the recognition that it needs. Yeah. Well, it, it's, you know, listen, it, it, this is like part of the, the life drama. Uh, I, I have a, uh, a, a refrigerator magnet on my uh, fridge. It's, Harriet Tugman's face. And she says, you have the courage, the strength, the patience to power through and reach for the stars. Words to that effect. And I look at it all the time when we think things are hopeless um, because the law of unintended consequences comes out of left field and can have huge changes. We don't know what's on the horizon, but people need to see this film and take the power back. Now, this is something that that is sort of controversial because people have said to me, easy for you to say boycott fast food. It's not so easy for somebody in a food desert to boycott fast food. And that's absolutely true. And I stand corrected. However, while protesting is great, and I had a nickel for every protest I've ever been to, I'd be a, you know, a billionaire. But there are other ways to take the power back Now, how can we explore having the African-American community and by extension communities of color, you talk about the Navajo Nation, et cetera, take the power back through the power of the purse and and stop eating this stuff, get healthy, and also undo the house of cards that is the meat and dairy industry. Because I firmly believe, and I've said this, if the African-American community simply stopped eating um, the fast food that is primarily meat and dairy laden, I think the entire fast food industry would collapse. I want to put it to John Lewis because I know what I'm saying is controversial, and I'm sure you have some thoughts about that to put it in context. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very uh, interlaced. Uh, one of the things is that when you're dealing with food, you have to understand that we, it's an addictive you know, substance. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we sometimes forget is that it's called the FDA for a reason because food is a drug. It's the most addictive thing you put in your body. So it's like the only way to recover as an addict is to admit that you're an addict. And that's why this film is very important is to show people like this is what's going on. This is what you're addicted to. But here's a solution for that. I believe that you are right. If we stop supporting those industries they would collapse. But we also have to go with the years and years and years of brainwashing that's been applied to us to get out of that. It's, it's very easy sometimes, and I do it too. Sometimes I'm like, we just gotta stop it. And then you'd have to remember that 
the addiction is there. I, I talk about it in the film. I was 315 pounds at one time in my life. I was a butcher at one time in my life. Those are all things that I did because I was raised to think that that was normal. And if you got an outside source that's not their parent, not their spouse, not their loved one trying to tell them, it's a little different, a little difficult. But that's why if we present evidence to them and show them this is what's going on. These diseases that your mom died from, your aunt died from, whoever died from, probably could have been preventable. And if we can do that, let's go down that road. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be the easiest thing. But if we show them that it can be done, I think that's what's so important. Wow. Um, there are so many aspects of this film. Uh, you know, it, it touches on everything. It touches on food. It touches on um, history. History, and it really dovetails with critical race theory, which is so current right now. There's a, a controversy here in California about a university that was named after somebody and that now with a critical race theory going back and looking at the history, this person went and massacred an entire tribe of Native Americans, including a 10-year-old girl. And so the question is, why is this university named after this person? And so when you look back at the history of slavery, of um, forcing Native Americans onto reservations and off of fertile land, um, food also works its way into that. And you discuss that, Keegan. Uh, tell us a little bit about the reaction to, to that aspect of the film. Yeah, you know, that's a, a really impactful part of the film is looking at the history of using food as a weapon. And the United States has has used that since the beginning before the United States was even the United States. Um, the colonial model of oppression and domination and colonialism is to take away people's original food, their food sovereignty, their control over what they put in their bodies and replace it with a Eurocentric diet, which is wheat, dairy, meat. Uh, an animal-based diet, really, because the majority of the world's population historically has not eaten an animal-based diet. Very small populations have eaten the way the Europeans ate. And that diet has been forced on people. So it's continually forced, though, on Indigenous Americans and Americans of color. And, and that's just the, the sad reality of it, where it's not even critical race theory. This is just history. This is just the facts. And that's a really important and impactful part of the film is people to understand of all races, particularly though European Americans, to understand that the, the way that we're eating in this country is a colonial diet and that has been forced on people and it's forced on people and it's killing people. And indeed, uh, the wild horses are being eradicated so that they have more room for cattle on government land. So again, another way the taxpayers are subsidizing the meat and dairy industry, even though we historically and culturally love horses who are indigenous as opposed to the cattle, which was brought over from Europe. And um, even though we have a Wild Horse and Burrow Act, nonetheless, the power of the meat and dairy industry is such that they ignore all of that and they are literally exterminating our wild horses and they claim it's to oh for their benefit because they're hungry when it's nonsense they're they're literally being driven into extinction and it's all to give the grazing the grazing uh areas to the cattle for the meat yeah. and dairy industry right. so exactly yeah now john let me ask you what was your reaction amongst um not the hip-hop stars or the great uh, vegan doctors and um, the chefs, like my favorite, Chef Babette, Dr. Milton Mills, all these great people. 
But what about just average African-American consumers? Were they were they accepting your treatise, which is essentially that what you're eating is a, an extension of slavery? It's soul food is slave food. Uh, fast food is is subsidizing your own oppression. Are, are the average consumers in the African-American community buying that argument? Yes, I, I believe they are, but that's where the addiction actually comes in too. I've, I've had a lot of people agree with me and tell me that, I, you know what? I believe that, you know, the food that we eat here is horrible and we could do better, but man, bacon or, oh man, you know, this, but what but I, I couldn't see me not eating this anymore. And it's like, well, there's vegan options to everything. You know, it may not have the exact taste and texture, but it's still good. And that's what I try to tell people. Like, you have to, you got to step outside of your box. But as far as agreeing with me, I get a lot of people that agree with me. And then their addiction kicks in. And then they come up with an excuse of why they can't change. Well, I, I find that people use their heritage continuously to justify yeah. uh, meat consumption and when indeed if you really look at their heritage it's not that meat based so i've had exactly. sorts of people say i could never give up meat i'm italian i could never give up meat i'm irish i could never give up meat i'm mexican i could never give up meat i'm and it's just i would say look i'm a recovering alcoholic 26 years sober one day at a time um, when I was in my disease, you could talk to me till you were blue in the face. I had all sorts of reasons why I had to drink today. It was sunny out. It was rainy out. I had a great day at work. I had a bad day at work. Um, it, it, I would, uh, my brain, having been hijacked by the addiction, generated a, an extraordinary number of excuses that literally were a wall of denial. I couldn't hear anybody that any... I couldn't hear anything anybody said until I hit bottom, which happened to be making a fool of myself at a party in Hollywood. But um, I guess there are worse bottoms, but it was pretty embarrassing. So the point is, I got sober. I haven't had a drink, knock on wood, one day at a time so far, 26 years. Uh, but the point is that if we're using the addiction analogy, when you talk to people who are addicts, you're saying, hey, this is bad for your health. It's going to kill you. And then what they hear is because they can't hear it. They can't hear it. Yeah. So how do we break through that? How do we get a culture to hit bottom? That's see, that's why I think the political aspect is interesting, because in this era where we have, you know, marches for Black Lives Matter, um, would there be a way to to dovetail that movement? I know my friend Gwenna Hunter, who may be watching right now. I told her you were going to be on who runs um, Vegans for Black Lives Matter definitely sees that connection. Is there a way to work, for example, with leaders of that movement? Keegan, help me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go for it, John. No, I, I believe there is uh, room to work with everyone. It's just I think that we have to also be a realistic, like what Keegan said, I'm all for the government change. I'm all for the, the, the organizational change. But the grassroots, like what she's doing, you know, Vegans for Black Lives Matter, it has to be from within. It, it took them 400 years to realize that they did something wrong. It's going to take them 400 years to actually correct what happened. We don't have 400 years to wait. So it's going to have to start 
with us. It's gonna have to us. It's gonna have to come down to us showing people how that we can be healthy and happy and loving and peaceful and peaceful, but still stand up for what we believe is right, but peaceful and showing how wonderful this lifestyle is. Not saying that veganism is a disease-free path, but your rates of disease, chronic disease, highly decreases when you do this. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to keep showing people the light of the situation. I think sometimes when we just show them all the bad, you know, that's all they see. And they're like, oh, man, well, it's been going this way for so long. Why would I change it now? You know, a lot of people think that, like, if somebody dies in their 40s, they're like, man, they had a long life. It's like, no, let's show them how amazing this life is. And we can work together with so many organizations, but we have to get the organizations at the grassroots. I believe that's where it's going to be the most powerful. You know, when I was watching this film, I was like, okay, the American Heart Association needs to see this. If you go on to the American Heart Association website and, I'm sure it changes. So if it's not that way now, I hope they've improved. But you see them say, you know, heart disease is a leading killer in America. And um, that uh, one out of every four people, I think, dies. And they say it's caused by plaque, which comes from cholesterol. And then they say uh, healthy eating is a good way. But they never mention meat or dairy. Cholesterol does not exist in plant foods. You can go up and down the aisles. There's no cholesterol in any any vegan plant-based foods. It's all in meat and dairy because animals produce cholesterol. So even they trying to stop heart disease are not going to talk about the very thing that causes heart disease. Would it be possible to do a screening for the American Heart Association and say, hey, people, let's sit down and look at this film and then we're going to have a discussion? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, American Heart Association does not really like me and my films because we made <laughs> what the health <laughs> and we expose the fact that the American Heart Disease uh American Heart Association is receiving money from the livestock industries, one of their major donors, but their biggest donor are the uh, creators of heart disease medication. So they're, they're deeply in bed with this, these organizations or with these companies. And so I don't think they're, they really are interested in ending heart disease. I think they're interested in promoting themselves as an organization and taking millions and millions of dollars from Pfizer and from pharmaceutical companies who are treating the disease. They're not interested in curing the disease. They want people to live longer with heart disease. Um, And so I don't see that these organizations changing. I think that it's going to come from people, as John said, from the community saying, enough's enough. I'm not going to support this and I'm not going to support you as long as you aren't telling the truth. Because you go on the American Heart Association's website, they recommend eating meat. They say eat lean meat, but they, they promote eating fried food on there, fried animal foods. And it's like, these are directly linked to eating this is directly linked to heart disease. Yeah, and I have to say, I haven't been on there lately, so I can't independently verify uh, what you just said. And I invite the American Heart Association on any time. I would love to dialogue with you. Um, okay, yes, but I see we see it in the environmental groups, the environmental groups that take money from the fossil fuel industry and then promote questionable, fake uh, environmental programs. Um, so we're seeing- or they serve meat. They serve meat at the dinner. It's like it's an environmental. It's like what's going on here? Cop twenty six. <laughs> Cops twenty six. We just did a report uh, on Unchained TV, which is our new um, vegan network. Um, and we went in and we just actually showed what they were serving. They're serving ham and cheese sandwiches, 
at a, at a climate conference. I mean, you know, uh, it's 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 a it's a joke. It's a, it's become a, yeah. it's really a joke. So where where are the solutions? We talk about it has to be a grassroots movement. Um, where how can we hit critical mass in food deserts in communities of color and offer alternatives? You know. Uh, again, this is something that people say, watch out when you say this, because you're making assumptions and those assumptions are not practicalities for people who are living in food deserts. But if you buy in bulk, for example, a stack of black beans and a stack of brown rice and a stack of quinoa and a stack of barley uh, are cheaper uh, uh, than going to a fast food restaurant. The question is, how do you get those products? Is there any kind of movement where we we could empower people in these food deserts to reject fast food and to come up with other solutions that would still be practical, John? Uh, you know, that's what we we the goal is to do. But we have to, I think sometimes we forget that we, have come to so far ourselves and a lot of times we have to go back to where the people are i think a lot of times whether it's veganism whether it's finances whether it's health a lot of times whatever that mountain is sometimes we sit on the top of the mountain we're like hey you should come up here with us and it's gonna it's great up here but a lot of times you got to go back down to where they're at and understand where they're at and see it from their view um and that comes down to you know having events where people can come eat vegan food for free and try it out and show them, you know, hey, these rice and beans, because a lot of people, when they are thinking rice and beans, they do think poverty sometimes and they don't want to go back to that. They don't want to sit there and think that that's the only thing they can have. So you got to you got to spice it up and make it look better. And OK, this is rice and beans, but this is a different sauce I'm using today. This is rice and beans, but I'm using a different seasoning today. Um, and, and a lot of people sometimes can't even have bulk in their apartment or house because they don't have room for it. So it's, it's ways of just showing them like, okay, you can't buy bulk once a month. Here's what you can do every week. Uh, I think that's where the educational piece comes in with it. I thought one of the things that really I found astounding was when you said that people are not allowed to get on buses with more than two grocery bags, which, so you're living in a food desert and you want to get uh, better food, and maybe you go somewhere to get it, and then you're not allowed to get on the bus if you're using public transportation to bring it home. That's horrifying. And, yeah. and I want to talk about uh, Eric Adams. Eric Adams, the new vegan mayor of New York City. Personally, I think he could be the most powerful change agent in the nation uh, because Unlike some other vegan politicians, he's willing to talk about it. And he talks about yeah. it from a healthcare standpoint. And in your film, he talks about how kids, public school kids, are being fed the foods that are giving them the obesity. Unfortunately, obesity is more of an indicator of uh, being in a uh, poverty economic status than in um, a status of overabundance financially. So these kids are being fed food that is, is causing them to experience obesity, type 2 diabetes, and all sorts of problems that used to only affect people primarily in old age. Now we're seeing kids come down with these 
health problems, lifestyle related health problems. Do you have hope that Eric Adams is going to do something to affect the institutions, public schools, nursing homes, prisons? He talked about prisons and he said prisoners aren't going out to 7-Eleven to get junk food. They are being directly fed junk food that is being supplied by the government. Keegan. Yeah, I think Eric Adams is a, um, a beacon of, of light, really. And he's willing to speak the truth of the role that government has played. And so I think that Eric has the potential to really change things in a dramatic way. And if he changes things in New York City, well, that's going to change the entire nation. The, the solutions of getting junk food out of public schools is a very tangible one. That's something that can be done very realistically, very easy, but it affects the bottom line in a lot of cases because the school district has a contract with a commercial food supplier. And so they, someone's getting a cut, someone's making money along this, this place. And we, we talk about it in the film, we interview the founders of Nutrade and they talk about how their roots were putting healthy vending machines in schools in Los Angeles and how the fast food and junk food and soft drink companies came after them, tried to shut them down as a business model because they said, you're affecting our bottom line. They're like, we're trying to help kids eat better. And yet, Big soda companies are trying to shut them down. So I think we're going to see the same sort of things happen. But going back to like your question about solutions, you know, people do live in these nutrition swamps, you know, because people aren't starving necessarily in quote food deserts. They're eating just what is available and what's available is just garbage. So if that is, you know, someone watching this and listening to this or watching the film, it lives in that situation going to your corner store and asking them to carry the foods that you want, you know, the healthy plant-based options. And if enough people ask for that, that's what the stores are going to carry because they're going to say, well, we just want the money, right? Like the, the corner store selling junk is selling that not because they're necessarily interested in killing you. They're, they're interested in making us the highest profit possible and they can make a lot of money off of junk food. So if we, if we demand it and ask for it, that's something where they're going to start carrying it because they say that's, you know, supply and demand, right? Yeah, what about humanitarian organizations? I mean, is every single so-called nonprofit taking money from the people that they're supposedly trying to uh, put out of business? Um, you'd think with the SNAP program, John, you make a really good point in the film that the SNAP program, 10% of Americans, I didn't realize it was 10% of Americans rely on SNAP and that it really uh, forces you to uh, buy food that's not good for you. Um, eat dairy and uh, you know sugar laden, salt pack, fat pack food. Um, wouldn't there be like uh, uh, organizations that you could partner with that aren't corrupt, morally bankrupt? If you know them, let us know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't heard them yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Yeah, we, 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 we we would love to work with organizations and and you know but there it's just I Keegan had a test for this too. The more and more we dove into information of this film and and research, the more and more we just saw the corruption. Like it just and we I mean of course we we talk about it in the film, but it's just like it's over and over and over and over again. And I think that's why some people even doubt, you know, the good hearted nature of what we're trying to do. It's like, it's like everybody has a motive, you know, it's like, well, what if, what if we come in and we just show that we can do good? You know, there's just not many organizations out there doing it. There are some, I'm sure we just haven't ran across them yet. Wow. Well, I do feel uh, I'm always hopeful because being depressed doesn't help 
the animals, people, or the planet. Uh, so exactly. I always hope, I always use the uh, example of people back before we had electric carriages did advocate for horses. There was tremendous horse abuse. It's still going on, but it was really at a, uh, a mind-boggling scale because people used horses primarily for transportation as their primary form of transportation. And then the electric car came along and all of a sudden, boom, things radically changed. Um, the electric car did more to stop horse abuse than anything else because people stopped using uh, horses as much for transportation. Um, so I do feel like something is going to come along. Now, let me ask you, in, in the uh, realm of the fast food industry, because I think that fast food is one of the main ways that people are eating the unhealthy food, right? They're not going home and cooking the unhealthy food. They're not saying, let me go cook something that's really bad for me at home primarily. They might with like a, a soul food dish that's really heavy in meat and dairy. But I think it's something like one out of every four people eats fast food. Now you have these fast food restaurants um, coming out with vegan options. Um, McDonald's is currently testing in, uh, I think, eight cities, a vegan option. Um, is there any way, at the end of the day, they're boxes. They're boxes. They could serve whatever they want. Is there any way to get these giant corporations to see the writing on the wall. We're not going to be around much longer if you keep serving this food. It's accelerating climate change and maybe appeal to their own self-interest to uh, change. Because imagine just for a second, and I always say, if you can't imagine something, how would you ever achieve it? Imagine just for a second, if every fast food joint in America was suddenly serving fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, and legumes. Yeah. Yeah. I Go ahead, Keith. Uh, no, I know we've only got a minute left. Um, yeah, I think that these companies are going to, they just want to make money. So they will do whatever consumers ask them to do and whatever they, wherever they can make money. So if people demand plant-based options, that's what they're going to serve. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's just like uh, you saw Tyson Chicken invest into another company because they see the downfall of their current industry. So they're like, well, let me get in on the booming industry. Uh, and that's where it's at. So if we demand it and we actually put money behind what we're saying and not just talk, but actually walk the walk, they'll supply what we actually buy. Well, I just want to say you guys are an inspiration. The film is so powerful and it's entertaining. Here's the thing. Sometimes you watch these documentaries that are informative and you go, I need to hear this, but boy, this is painful to watch. No, this <laughs> film is fun to watch. It's edited brilliantly. It's moving. You have all these hip hop stars. You've got graphics, but it's not graphic. It's just, it's, it's very compelling. It's, it's watchable. So I urge everybody to watch the film. We are so honored to have these two heroes on today here on Unchained TV. Unchain your brain with free TV. That's our logo. That's our slogan. And uh, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that people see this crucial film. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.